0: with you. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 22. We are moving into a new chapter tonight. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15 and so I'm trying to keep a good balance uh, between Sunday morning and Sunday night. Sunday morning we covered one whole verse and uh, tonight we're going to cover half of a chapter and so If you average them together and divide it, it works out. Uh, Exodus chapter 22, verses 1 through 15, we're going to be looking at the law for property rights. The law for property rights. I know that makes you excited that you came back to church tonight to learn about the law for property rights. Exodus 22, 1, if a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his best and shall feed in another man's, uh, put in his beast and shall feed in another man's field of the best of his own field and of the best of his own vineyard shall he make restitution. If fire break out and catch in thorns, so that the stacks of corn or the standing corn or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, let him pay double." If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he have put his hand unto his neighbor's goods. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox or ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing which another challengeth to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor." If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeing it, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods and the owner of it shall accept thereof and he shall not not make it good. And if it be stolen from him, he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for witness. And he shall not make good that which was torn. And if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and if it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be an hired thing, it came for his hire. Let's pray. Oh Lord, uh, it is our prayer tonight that you would open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to see, to understand, and to do your word. Father, I do thank you for each and every verse of scripture, each one a revelation from you that contains pertinent information to help guide us, encourage us, uh, Lord, and strengthen us in our journey of faith. Father, I pray and ask that you would help me to get at the heart of this text tonight and that you would help us to see the application that it makes to us in the New Testament period. Father, I pray and ask that you would glorify yourself through the preaching of your word this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Chapter 22 continues to show us God's care for his people. As we go through Exodus and, and, and Moses, the great lawgiver, is giving the law to the people of God. We have this tendency to read over the top of this and think, well, this doesn't apply much to us today. This is Old Testament law. Uh, What is it expressing to me? But I would remind you that one of the things that it is expressing is that it is expressing God's care for His people by giving them laws for property rights. Exodus 22 is evidence that God cares about His people, and His people, Israel, are going to run into some of these situations when they get into the land and they start living side by side with one another and their animals get out or a fire breaks loose or somebody has something that is missing, there is going to have to be a way to resolve this. And so God in his care, before they even get into that situation, he gives them a law, he gives them a protocol that they can follow to make their life more peaceful and to make their nation more orderly. I would also say this about this text just as a whole is that it demonstrates God's emphasis on order and structure for His operations on earth. You know, there are people in the world and people in the church who seem to think that that, that Disorder is the way that God likes things. Uh, uh, I, I have sat through many a disorderly church service and uh, every, every one of our church services comes with one of these little white cards. It's called an order of service. We know how we're going to start, we know what we're going to do next, and we know how we're going to end. Because I believe that God wants things to be done in order. That He wants things to have structure. Why do I believe that? Well, because there is very much order and structure in this text of Scripture. God is ordering His people. He is setting a structure for His nations on the earth. Uh, First, He did that in the nation of Israel as we see in these first foundational books of the Bible that he is giving them this order and this structure. But then we also see God doing this in the New Testament church where he expressly says, let all things be done decently and in order. And so God is a God of order. The Bible is reflecting that, is revealing that to us. Remember, God is laying the foundation for a brand new nation. We talked about this last week. They are coming out of servitude. Uh, They have not had freedom. They have not governed themselves. They have been under the thumb of Pharaoh and of the taskmasters. And so there have been things that they haven't had to think about or deal with because somebody else was in charge telling them what to do. And now all of a sudden the the doors of freedom are flown open to them and they are to govern. Govern themselves, and so God is laying a foundation for this new nation so that they can successfully succeed. Do you know how rare it is that a nation starts up? I mean, uh, there's a lot of startup businesses in the world, but not startup nations. That takes a little more work, doesn't it? That takes voluntary cooperation. That has, it takes submission to a rule of law. That, that takes following a certain civic order and cultural uh, precedence. And so God is setting this people up so that they can successfully transition from being slaves inside of another country into becoming their own nation that grows into one of the wealthiest and most powerful nations in the world under the reign of King David. Among other things, God is teaching the Hebrews about property rights or property ownership He's teaching them about the rule of law. He's teaching them about economy, what things are worth. He's talking, teaching them about value. He's teaching them about trust, that there is this currency of trust that people must have among themselves if they're going to live together. Uh, he's teaching them about restitution, what happens when something is taken wrongfully. How, how do we make those things right? And he is teaching them about civic responsibility. And so there is a, a lot expressed in the general in this text, but there is also things in the particular. In fact, this passage would be considered a subsection of the Eighth Commandment, right? Exodus chapter 20, we got the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, the Big Ten. And what follows behind that would be really subsections of those big laws Things that are encompassed in one statement, like the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. That's a great law, until somebody breaks it. And then what do we do? Do we kill them? Do we let them have it? Do we just say, oh, well, you know, possession is nine-tenths of the law? No, God gives them a subsection of this Eighth Commandment uh, so that they know what to do in these situations. Uh, to, to show you this correlation, I'd point out to you that the word steal is used in the very first verse. If a man steal an ox or a sheep. Or, and so that's the way the chapter begins. Uh, and, and then the word thief is found in the 2nd, 7th, and 8th verses. The word theft is found in the 3rd and 4th verses. And the word stolen is found in the 7th and the 12th verse. And so this section of Scripture is very much connected to the 8th commandment, Thou shalt not steal. Furthermore, ownership is referred to five times in these verses. In verse 5, 11, 12, 14, and 15. We find the word own or owner you say well what does that have to do with anything well if you think about it the only way for something to be considered stolen is if it is considered to be the property of someone else if it is actually owned if nobody owns it it's not stealing and so ownership and theft are correlations here. So the very fact that God is talking about property ownership and property rights reminds us that this is connected to the law about stealing, that there is a penalty and there should be repercussions for somebody who takes something that does not belong to them. And so here's what I know. God did not create Israel as a communist country, right? And all the freedom loving Americans said, amen. Right, I, I'm not simply trying to give you a stump speech about the American way of life. I'm just telling you something that's evident from this text of Scripture. God did not create Israel as a communist country because communism doesn't believe in personal property. Nobody owns anything. It belongs to the populace and it's controlled by the government and so they don't have personal property. Yet the nation God instituted and established did have personal property. It did believe in personal ownership. There was such a thing as stealing, and there were penalties for it. And so God gave them instructions about property rights and penalties for stealing. In fact, God gives such priority to property ownership that He provides seven distinct scenarios. To serve as legal precedent for settling disputes over property. So in verses 1 through 15, we have seven separate scenarios. You want to see something interesting? 13 out of the 15 verses start with the word if. Did you notice that? If a man shall steal, if a thief be found, if the sun go down, if the theft be certainly, if a man shall cause, if fire break out, if a man shall deliver, if a thief. Only verses 9 and 11 don't start with the word if. You say, what about 13, 14, 15? And if, but if. I'm telling you, 13 out of the 15 verses start with the word if. So what is God doing? God is giving them scenarios. These things have not happened yet. God knows that when you put two and a half million people into a small country and they begin to multiply and they begin to uh, settle properties and do those things, there's going to be situations like this that arise. And so God gives them seven scenarios that have to do with property rights and stealing so that they can know how to navigate these things when they come. This legal code is so exhaustive That four out of the seven statutes have subsections, right? you ever read law? I don't get into reading law, but I have had to read some building code before, right? When we have done building projects, when I did that in Colorado, we've done some here, Sometimes I got to go to the code book to try and figure out what, what's, what we're allowed to do, right? Um, you know, I've got this aversion to asking the inspector to come tell us. I, I would rather figure it out on my own uh, beforehand. But when you start reading that legal code, it'll give you one statement. Well, here's what you have to do when it comes to building a handicap ramp. And then under that... You have all these different subpoints and subsections, but if this, if that, in this situation, in this application, and that's how legal code is written. That's how Exodus 22, 1 through 15 is written. God gives the statement and then he gives these possibilities. But if this happens, here's the protocol. But if that happens, here is the protocol. And so I just want to walk you through these seven statutes that God gives for property rights. Statute number 1 is found in verses 1 through 4, and it has to do with stealing. It has to do with stealing. And so we're going to just number this like we would legal code. 1.1. 1.1 in verse 1 has to do with restitution of animal property. If somebody steals an ox or a sheep, and they get caught stealing that, or they find, it's found out that they stole it, then there is something that they have to do. They have to restore that animal to the property owner. But because they stole it, they don't just to get to replace it. They have to do something that's called restitution. And so for an ox, they've got to return five oxes for every one that they stole. And for sheep, they have to restore four for every one that they stole. Why? Because there's restitution that has to be made. There's an investment that has been lost. There's time that has been lost. There is stress that has been incurred. There are all these extenuating factors that follow along through that criminal activity of theft so that God says, here's the law. If a man steals and it's found out, then he has restitution. He has to pay manifold back of what he took. Well, what does that do? Well, one... It ensures that the owner doesn't lose out on anything. If anything, they actually get more than they lost. But it also deters the thief, right? If the consequences are very low for taking something, then, hey, man, I'll do it, right? I mean, if it's it's just probation for robbing a bank and stealing a million dollars, well, there's a lot of people in the country who would make that decision. They would do probation for a period of time if they got away with a million bucks, right? But because the penalty is jail time for multiple years and there can be a repayment of that, then it deters that type of activity. And so the first law is a law, uh, or this first subsection is a law of restitution. But what happens if, while that thief is trying to steal, the owner finds them stealing and there's an altercation and the owner actually is in a fight with the thief and the owner kills the thief? Well, that's section 1.2. It's found in verse 2. If the thief be found breaking up and he be smitten and he die, there should be no blood shed for him. Hey, the, the owner is not guilty of murder. The owner was simply trying to protect their property. And this thief, when fighting in this altercation, dies. Well, he gets his just desserts. The good news is his family doesn't have to pay any restitutions. He's paid for it with his life. But isn't it interesting, in any other scenario, we have manslaughter laws that applied. But in this situation, when it comes to somebody trying to forcibly take another person's property, then this act of defense is justifiable. Subsection 3, 1.3, uh, what if the thief is caught in the act... And the thief is injured, but they don't die. Verse 3, if the sun be risen upon him, there shall be no blood shed for him. For he should make full restitution. And if he have nothing, he shall be sold for his theft. And so in other passages, if somebody is injured in a fight, there's a restitution that, that the person has to make That for lost wages or different things. But if a thief is injured trying to steal something, uh, then the, the owner who injured them has no legal um, responsibility there. So the thief got what they deserve. And in fact, if the thief survives, the thief has to make restitution. Five ox for one, four sheep for one. And if he can't afford to make restitution, then he is sold into servitude. And the money from that goes to the person he stole from. Again, strong deterrent for thieving. And then uh, subsection 1.4 uh, goes on to talk about what happens if stolen. And this situation, if the, if the stolen property is recovered... Right? It hasn't been taken, it hasn't been dispersed of, it hasn't been sold or killed or eaten or whatever it is. If the theft be certainly found alive in his hand, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. So uh, if the stolen property is recovered, restitution is reduced to double. And so it's cut in half, but it is still Uh, act of restitution. So that's statute one on stealing. Statute two we find in verse five and that is what happens if you let your livestock graze on somebody else's Property, whether intentional or accidental, if your animals get out of your borders, they get onto your neighbor's borders, they eat his grass or they eat up the fruit of his vineyard, then again, there is restitution that has to be made. You have to give the very best of your field or the best of your crop or the best of your vineyard to replace what your animals ate. Even if your animals didn't eat the best of your neighbor's field, that's the restitution cost right why You say, what's the big deal? Well, because it's all about money. It's all about ownership. It's about me trying to raise my cattle and graze them over here. And if you're letting your cattle come and graze on my fields, then my cattle doesn't have grass to graze on my property. And I've got to figure out some way to feed my cattle or they lose weight or they die or something of that nature. And so God is establishing some boundaries and some borders here, right? They say tall fences make for good neighbors. And there's some real truth to that. Uh, that there has to be boundaries, and if those boundaries are crossed, even if it's accidental, then there's a responsibility to that. You know, we still have laws like that today, not necessarily getting out and grazing on somebody else's field. But if your cattle get out and tear up your neighbor's yard, you know you're legally responsible to repair the sod in their yard. Uh, I, I, have, uh, I have an uncle who had cattle, and, and, and he had a daughter-in-law who accidentally left a gate open. And one of his cows got out in the highway, and a guy had just bought a brand new truck, was flying up Highway 219 one night, and there's a cow in the middle of the road, and he hit it with his truck. My uncle was responsible for all the damage done to that truck because it was his cow and his gate that was left open. And so here we find these foundational statutes like this, that you've got a responsibility. If you're going to have these animals, then you've got to keep them in on your own property unless other arrangements are made. Statute three is found in verse six. What if a fire breaks out and burns another person's property, right? Uh, You may be burning a field. Sometimes that's good for fertilization, or you may be trying to clear a field of briars. And so instead of getting out there and cutting them down, you decide, to light them on fire. What if the fire gets away from you? You didn't intentionally mean to set your neighbor's field on fire, but it gets away from you, it gets into the brush, and it goes and it burns their uh, their standing corn or their corn in the field or their corn that's piled up or whatever it may be. Again, there is a restitution that has to be made. Either you've got to replace everything that they lost. So if they lost X amount of ears of corn, if you've got corn, then you've got to restore that or you've got to pay market value for it if you don't have the exchange to restore it to them. And so restitution, again, here's a situation where personal responsibility comes in, right? Last week, we saw that God has a law of personal responsibility. You and I are responsible for ourselves, and so if we're going to start a fire on our property, that's all fine and good, but you better keep it on your property, Because if it gets out, then uh, you're going to be responsible for it. And again, we still have similar laws like that today. If you start a forest fire and it is found out that you allowed a fire to get out of control, then you can be fined for that. You can be charged uh, for those uh, things. Uh, Statute 4. It is found in verses 7 and 8, and this has to do with entrusting your property or your goods to someone else. And so 7 and 8, if a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house and so you say well why, why would a guy do this well you've got to remember that they are living in these ancient times and they didn't have banks uh, that were nearby and so it, perhaps if if you need to go out of town and you're, you need to take a journey but you're not going to pack up all of your goods and valuables to go with you there's nobody to guard them at your house you, you take them to a neighbor or to a trusted friend and say will you keep these until I return from my journey uh, so that I know that they're safe and if while they are in the possession of the trustee, the one entrusted with these goods, they are stolen, then there's two subsections to this. If the thief is caught, then the thief has to pay double. If the thief is caught stealing it from the, from the trustee, then the thief pays double. But if no thief is found, then the trustee is to be investigated. The man with whom the goods have been left If you get back and he's like, somebody stole him, I don't know what happened. I had him right here with my stuff and it got stolen and and I, I, I haven't been able to find out who took it. Then, then an investigation would follow to determine whether or not that man who was entrusted with it was guilty of taking them himself or if it was actually stolen. If it's stolen by a thief and it's found that he's not guilty, well then there's no restitution because they don't know who stole it and the one entrusted with it is not responsible. And then that leads to statute 5, which is just really an insertion of uh, how they settle disputes over property. Uh, Verse 9 is one of two verses that doesn't start with the word if. It says, For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox or ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing which another challengeth to be his, the calls of both parties shall come before the judges... And whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. And so again, this touches on a little bit what we talked about last week, that with personal responsibility, there is a third-party institution that keeps us accountable. And that's what we're seeing here. If there's a dispute between you and your neighbor, and you say, Well, this person stole from me, or they owe me this, and you can't settle it between yourselves, then you take it to the judges. You take it to the magistrates in your area. And you each present your cases, and then they make the ruling decision. And whoever is found guilty then must pay a restitution of double. Statute 6 takes up verses 10 through 13 and has multiple subpoints, and that is the entrusting of animal property. So uh, statute four had to do with entrusting of property or goods, monetary or, or valuables. Statute six has to do with entrusting of animal property. And so let's say you ask your neighbor, I'm going out of town. I, I need somebody to take care of my ox or my sheep. Can I leave it with you? I'll give you the grain or I'll pay you. I'll do whatever for you to take care of this animal until I get back. And something happens to the animal while you're gone then there is a code for this so uh, verse 10 sets up the scenario you've entrusted someone with your animal to keep it and it dies or it is hurt or it is run off and it is missing and nobody has seen it nobody knows what happens to it well then verse 11 tells us what we do in that situation then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both, that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept thereof, and he shall not make it good. And so if if the guy who's entrusted with it said, man, that crazy ox, I tried my best to keep it in, but it, it broke away from my stall, and, and it took off, and I don't know what happened. I went and looked for it. I can't find it. I don't know what happened to it. And uh, he swears to that, and, and that's an oath before the Lord. Then no restitution is made. There, there's not a responsibility. Uh, the, the trustee did everything that they could, and it was beyond their responsibility. And so the, uh, the lost property ends there. But it goes on, verse 12: but if it be stolen from him, oh, now it's not just missing, run off, or dead, it's stolen from him he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof. So if the property is stolen from the trustee, the trustee is responsible for making the restitution. And then verse 13, another uh, sub-point of that, If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for witness, and he shall not make good that which was Torn. and so here's another caveat well what if you've brought me a sheep and I'm taking care of your sheep and your sheep's out in the field with my sheep and a wolf or some coyotes get in there and they kill the sheep and they've killed your sheep well then I'd show you that evidence and say hey look I, I took care of it the same way I would have taken care of my animals but a wild animal got in here and killed it. There's no restitution that is owed. Uh, that is a, that's just a situation of loss there. And then that brings us to the seventh statute. And this one has to do with borrowing. So in the previous situation, something is stolen or something is entrusted to someone else and it is gone missing. But verses 14 and 15 tell us the legal code that if you borrow something, you borrow somebody's property... Uh, If a man borrow aught or anything of his neighbor and it be hurt, it be damaged or it die... The owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. And so if I borrow it, I'm not stealing it, but I've borrowed it from you. I've borrowed your oxen and your oxen gets injured or your oxen dies. Why, I have borrowed and I'm using it. I've got to make that good. I've either got to give you a new oxen or pay you market value for the oxen that was dead. That, that's the law because I borrowed it. I took it into trust and I am responsible for it. But if... The owner thereof be with it. So well, you may be on my property. We may be doing work for me. But you're with your animal. And in that scenario it is hurt or it dies. The owner thereof being with it. Uh, he, uh, he he. Uh, but if the owner thereof be with it. He shall not make it good. So the responsibility is not on the borrower. And if it is a hired animal. Then he came for his hire. And so again. No situation there. And so as you think about that, I know that, that that's maybe interesting information if you're a nerd like I am. But what's the spiritual application? Like, I understand how this worked for the Israelites. This was very helpful, right? I, I want to have this law if I'm living in Israel. And by the way, that's a pretty good law to have, isn't it? It wouldn't be good to know that these are your rights and and that this is the law that's given by God and that this is the rule of law, that if somebody steals from you or somebody takes something or somebody accidentally burns your field or your house down, that that there is a legal code that is going to make that right and you're not going to be out anything in the end. I mean, that really does make uh, for a happy living situation. How does it apply to you and I? Well, I would just take you to, to one verse in the New Testament there's a couple that we could go to but I want to take you to one in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10 Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd and that he's not a hireling because the hireling will run off when danger is near but he's the shepherd and the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and he says in John 10, 10 the thief Didn't we talk about thieves in Exodus 22? Wasn't that mentioned multiple times? Jesus says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let me tell you something. As followers of Christ, you and I have a good shepherd who is going to care for us and protect us from the thief who wants to come in and break through and steal and kill. And if God cared that much to give legal code about ox, about sheep, about fields, about corn, how much do you think he cares about you and the crimes that Satan perpetrates against you? Not only that, there is a principle of restitution that is highlighted in exodus 22 if you get something taken from you you don't just get it back it gets multiplied back to you and there is this great teaching in scripture about the restitution of all things that there is coming a day when god is going to make sure that everything is restored everything that was lost, everything that was taken, everything that was stolen by the thief, Satan himself, who steals so many things in life, there is coming a day when the judge will rule and restitution will be made so that the losses and the injustices that we suffer in life in this day and time, we can live in confidence knowing that we have a God in heaven who is going to restore all things in eternity. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, I do thank you for your word. I find it particularly interesting to dig into such scriptures, to see the detail, the minutia, the care that you gave to ordering life for your people in Israel. It is evidence to me that you care about us that you have an order, that you have a structure, that you have a protocol, and that if we follow it, life is better, especially when we're trying to do life together in community, whether that community was Israel or the community is the church. Father, I pray and ask that you would help us to be good citizens, good members, good neighbors. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take our personal responsibility seriously And that if we are responsible for the loss of property, that we would stand to it and that we would be willing to restore it and make it right. Father, I am also thankful that you are the good shepherd and that even though the thief comes to steal, you come to restore. You come to give us life more abundantly. Lord, there's nobody who makes it through this life without suffering some losses, without having some things stolen from them. And I take comfort in knowing that one day restitution will be made for all who have had something taken from them. And I pray for that day to come soon. In Jesus' name, amen.